Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the West York Entrepreneur. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you. Um, we have a really cool guest today, but as always, you know me, I have a quick announcement, so you are totally in the loop. And if you want to be in the loop more frequently, I would totally suggest going to our website and subscribing to our email list. Over 3,000 local entrepreneurs already have. Um, I would make sure you're following us on social media. We always put the links on there as well, because as you know, we can't put links on this YouTube channel or uh, on an audio file, as you're very well aware. So make sure you guys do that. So our next event here, I'm actually looking it up as we speak, is a golf event. We're doing golf simulation. And I know the golfers in town are like, thank you, thank you, God, because all the golf domes have been done, have been gone since that huge uh, snowstorm that we had. So the next event is actually going to be, it's going to be February, but make sure I'm seeing the wrong, uh, not the wrong date here. It is February 21st. That's a Tuesday at 6 p.m. So it's going to be the evening. So after you guys are done with your meetings for today, head on to the links in Niagara Falls. So for, I think it's 15 or 18 bucks, it, you're going to get a beer on us and you're going to get all the golf you want in a simulator, a nice warm place. This place was built for networking. So if you love golf, you want to network and you want to try a local beer out, you got all three in this one. So make sure you head on to our Eventbrite links, which are on our social media. They're in our emails. Uh, make sure you guys uh, check them out in RCP uh, soon enough for that. So let's get to our guest here. Today, we have Stas. Stas, Bale- I, I, of course, I'm saying his name a little interestingly here. Uh, Stas Balaneski. Bal- Did I say that correct, Stas? You got it. Awesome, man. So either way, Stas, uh, you're, you are just as cool as your last name sounds. Uh, I actually had Stas at our uh, mastermind retreat virtually to to speak to the guys. They loved him, and I knew I had to get him on the podcast to speak to you local entrepreneurs. So, Stas, thanks for joining us today, man. Thanks, David. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate your time. You're a busy dude helping uh, a lot of business owners, not just here in Buffalo, but nationwide. So, Stas is actually an EOS implementer. So a lot of people know EOS is, and some people don't know what it is. So Stas, if you don't mind diving, what is an EOS implementer? Break it down. Maybe you want to talk to us like we're five here for a moment, and then you can talk to us about how you got into this field. Sure. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, So EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system, and it's a way for business owners to get what they want out of their business. Set of simple rules, simple tools that will help you get the traction that you want. Uh, based on the book by Gino Wickman called Traction. Uh, we've been around, we as implementers have been around for 15, 20 years. There's about 620 of us now doing what I do. Um, I started my career as a refugee and an entrepreneur because of our entrepreneurship. So we uh, we fled the Soviet Union when I was seven because entrepreneurship is illegal in a communist country. I came here, started my first business at 13 years old. Um, you know, desktop publishing business, the Mac had just come out and I decided that was better than any alternative I could find. 
So I have been an entrepreneur and have worked with entrepreneurs for my entire career, with the exception of like a five-week stint in corporate America, which was not for me. Clearly, five weeks. I mean, that was short, that was long enough. <laughs> that was long enough. But you know, the talk a little bit more about EOS if you don't mind, Stas. Like, so tell us, like, you know, obviously I learned a lot from you about this, but I'll be honest, with you EOS is pretty foreign to me a while ago. I'm like, what is EOS? It's an acronym, but what does it mean? Uh, if you don't mind, sure. It's the Entrepreneurial Operating System, and it is a way for you as a business owner and your leadership team to work together to make the company better, faster, stronger. So I'm here, I exist to give you three things. Vision, figuring out where you wanna go, how you're gonna get there. Traction, a simple set of tools and principles to help you make that vision true. And then healthy, helping your leadership team become open, honest, rowing the boat in the same direction. Mm. So what we do is we believe that any all 137 problems you worry about in your business can be neatly compartmentalized into six key components of EOS. So the first being the vision component, figuring out where you want to go, how you're going to get there. The people component, making sure you have the right people that live by your core values, sitting in the right seats, understanding what winning looks like in their job. A data component where you look at leading indicators of performance every week to make sure that everything is sort of up and to the right. Hmm. An issue component where we identify, discuss and solve issues to you know set them up and knock them down so they don't come back. A process component, which allows you to create repeatable processes, which is what allows you to scale beyond yourself. And then finally, the traction component, where everything, you know, where the rubber meets the road, the meeting cadence, living in a 90-day world, because we as humans are terrible at living in a one-year world, and uh, just becoming better and better in your business. I love it, man. So one thing that's very obvious when we talk, Saz, when you, you when you talk to a mastermind group and when we originally met and, and, and even more obvious now to me is that you have this down pretty pat. Like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like you could wake up in the middle of the night and name what you just said. Yes. And and it's as clear as day that you have it down to a science. And a lot of it, I feel like EOS is a science uh, in a way. And I, I, maybe you agree, maybe you don't. And that's OK if you don't. I So here's my question. And it, I know this is super general because every business is so different, especially in 2023, man. But in a general sense is when you're working with local business owners, you know, what do you really feel like is holding them back most of the time when you're connecting with them? You're like, like, is there a general like, rule? Is there something you're seeing more often than not? I guess. I am. I am. A lot of, a lot of business owners start as the entrepreneurial doer, right? They have an idea, they do a thing. They are the everything of the business. And then they start to grow. Because the thing that they do, they do really, really well. People are like, I want more of that. And all of a sudden you're like, hmm, I need another person to come on board to help me, you know, in a support role or in a, you know, second seat role, or I need someone to do part of what I do. And the whole thing starts to build and complexity increases. And what happens is the entrepreneur doesn't have that shift from in the business thinking to on the business thinking shifting from an entrepreneurial doer to an entrepreneurial leader. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that comes from fear. Sometimes that comes from a lack of trust. Sometimes that comes from ego. Wherever that comes from, we do a really good job of figuring out where that's coming from. And then we create systems to allow a person to actually delegate. Mm -hmm. So if I'm afraid to delegate something, 
it's not necessarily because of ego, but it's certainly out of fear because what if that person doesn't do it right? Mm-hmm. Great. We create a set of measurables to make sure that that person is doing it right so you can allow them to go off and do it. You still have a really solid pulse on your business, but you're not micromanaging. You're not in their way, which is what allows them to do wonderful things that you could have never done. You could have never imagined because they're a different brain. Now, I have to imagine, Saz, that you know I, I could be completely wrong because I'm not like knee deep in everybody's businesses like you are when you work with them. But from an outside perspective, I feel like the corporate world, your big, a lot of businesses do a lot of micromanaging. And I got to imagine when you kind of bring this to them, they're like, I got to imagine ego does get in the way. They're like, well, that's just how we've been doing it. I'm like, then, you know, why are you bringing me in? So when you have these conversations with these these bigger businesses that are just micromanaging, how, you know, what are the conversations you have to kind of get them out of that? So a couple of things, like this is how we've always done it. There was this really great experiment. Um, basically, it's a, it's a primate experiment. So for... Four primates are in a test chamber. There's a ladder. They put bananas on top of the test chamber. What do you think happens? Yeah, they try to get to the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Monkey climbs, grabs a banana, right? yep. pretty standard. They introduce a negative stimulus. So every time a monkey tries to climb, they spray cold water on all the monkeys. Mm-hmm. So the monkeys stop climbing. So they, they, they keep doing the negative stimulus until the monkeys are trained that if you climb the ladder, you get sprayed with water. Yep. So it stops them from any, doing it. Any monkey that tries to climb the ladder, they stop the monkey from climbing the ladder because they're like, we don't want to get sprayed with the water. They replace one of the monkeys. New monkey comes in. Monkey's never seen the negative stimulus. Sees the bananas. Like, I'm going to go get some bananas. Yeah. Starts climbing. The other monkeys drag it down. They keep doing that, training that that brand new monkey that's never seen the negative stimulus to not climb the ladder. They replace monkey two, replace monkey three, replace monkey four. They're all trying to pull each other down even though they don't know the negative stimulus in it is anymore. Exactly. They have no idea why they're doing this because that's just the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. Without any reference of why. Mm -hmm. So you see that a lot of times it's almost like, no, that's not, not, not that macro managing is necessarily hereditary, but you're thinking because it's just the chain of command that's kind of been doing it for so long. Is that what I'm getting? Is that what I'm hearing correctly here? Yeah. 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 So the, the, we've always done it that way, that that's where you get that from. And then, you know, the constant micromanaging that comes from a lack of trust. It comes from a lack of training. And sometimes, it'll, you know, and it's not, you don't just put that at the feet of the owner or manager. Sometimes it's the employee too right? Sometimes you don't get self-starters. Sometimes you get people that want to be told what to do over and over again. I have seen interesting transitions in companies where they have gone from command and control management to I believe in you management. Some people thrive in that. They're like, finally, I know what a dog feels when the leash breaks. (laughs) And other people are like, they show up and they're like, who's going to tell me what to do? Right. Well, I think in the end, it's not the kind of person we want on the bus, right? You know, so we want to maybe more self-sufficient. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people love, I think people love um, structure. Some people love structure, but they don't want to be their hand held. I mean, so at least, at least I'll speak for, from my experience. So we did talk about, you know, we go from an entrepreneurial leader to an entrepreneur doer, right? We first start as a doer because we're just doing everything. We transition to that, right? Is yeah. there anything else that you notice from your from your experience that other entrepreneurs are just dropping the bolt EOS. Like for example, like when I interviewed one of the, our lawyers that advertised in our podcast, 
He says the best time to get a lawyer is before you need one, right? You sure to have like, you know, have that coffee. So what is the best thing to have before? I mean, EOS, you, mean, you always have it regardless if you realize it or not, but it's something that you think people need to think of more in the beginning versus towards the back end in terms of maybe building their team, putting structure in place, uh, things of that nature. Core value fit. The most important component is the people component and finding people that fit your core values is the single most important thing that you can do. And how do you think someone defines their core values? What questions should they be asking themselves to find them? So the exercise that we go through during vision building day one to figure out what your core values are is you go through and you say to yourself, okay, if I had a hundred people, like if I had a hundred Davids, I would be unstoppable, which is true. If I had a hundred guys like you in my company, I could win in any market against any competition in whatever market conditions. And then you start to think, okay, what are those traits? What are the traits that you have that I really value? You know, if you're just starting out, you can look at people that you've worked with. You can look at people you admire, all of that stuff. And then you just sort of go through and, you know, what, what do I see in you? Well, I mean, I see a tremendous amount of drive. I see a tremendous amount of attention, right? All of these different things. And then you start to craft a set of core values that identify your people, not good or bad, but our people or not our people. And we avoid all of those traps. There's a set of um, core value traps that include aspirational permission to play and accidental. So forget the accidental core values, forget the permission to play like honesty. Can a dishonest person work here? No. no. Get rid of that. Forget the aspirational best in the world. Like you're awesome, but you're not the best in the world yet. Mm -hmm. Right. So you forget all those and then you boil it down to those core values and then you make them absolute. Mm -hmm. You have someone that comes in, you're like, awesome guy, could be great, not a core values fit. I'm telling you right now, don't hire him. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, you know, for me, I mean, tell me, tell me where this fits in all this is that if it does. But for me, I try to find when I'm in fact, I'm, and, and ironically, I'm running interviews this week for an, an executive assistant, which is because we, we had this conversation in the retreat. Yeah, I always try to for me, I want someone it, obviously every every position in the company is different. But for this position, I'm looking for someone who's the opposite of me. They're extremely OCD organized. They're they're um, they're very uh, uh, what we call it? like they're very good at the details where I'm not. I'm more about big vision, not the details in between everything of that nature. So how does that kind of fit when I'm doing the core values in that way? If I'm trying to find you're, someone, you're talking about skills. You're not talking about core values. Okay, totally different then. Totally different. Okay, because you want someone that's super driven, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You want someone that is driven just like you, because if they're not. You're going to scare them. Here's here. Maybe it's like, I feel like we're doing this in the way, but I want to make sure that our listeners are listening to maybe they're, they're not picking. I'm always worse that laughs five minutes after a joke. Cause I'm slow to, to, to obtain the information needed to laugh or get it. So don't mind me. So for me, I need someone that is a, a, a problem solver. Don't come to me with every problem. I want you to solve. I want you to come with me to go two solutions, possible solutions before you bring the problem to me. I don't want to hold your hand. I want to be like, hey, you get it. You're a problem solver. I trust you. That's why I hired you. So would that be a core value? You are a problem um, solver. Problem solver's core value. Exactly. Okay. You solve problems. You solve the beginning of the problem. Mm -hmm. You want them to solve the end of the problem. Mm -hmm. 
still a problem solver. Yeah, I just want to make sure. I just make sure I'm, you know that that I'm 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 absorbing this correct, right? Not just our listeners and whatnot. Um, now, how do you suggest owners empower their people? I think that's huge that we empower people to do to be their best. So, how how do, how do you how do you suggest that owners do that? So, a couple things. One, as a responsible business owner, it is on you to de-risk your business, right? So, you need to build into your budget mistakes. Fair enough. <laughs> build it in, price it in. It's going to happen. You know, we live in Buffalo. We're going to have minus five degrees. We're going to have 60 degrees and an earthquake all within one week. Yeah. Right. Sounds about right. So you need to understand that the people that you hire are not necessarily going to do it your way, the best way or the right way immediately. The only way they will learn is if you let them learn. Right. You're either winning or you're learning. And you, to make sure your business survives their education, have to price in their mistakes and give them the proper guardrails, right? It's funny, I always give the analogy of baseball, right? Because everybody sort of understands it. You know, you have a five-year-old kid that's starting to play baseball. You're not going to put them, you know, put them at home plate, slap a helmet on them and throw 90 miles an hour at them. You're just hoping he makes meaningful contact with the ball on the tee and you hope he doesn't run to third base. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's all you hope for. That's a huge win. And you cheer your loudest and then give them a big hug and go out for ice cream. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what you have to do. You have to teach them those tasks. It's really easy if you have your core processes documented, because then you say, here's your playbook. Yeah. Right. SOPs. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you document your core processes, you tell people what they're accountable for, you explain to them what winning looks like, you let them go, you encourage them, you're there to help them. But in your mind, you're like, he's going to get seven out of 10 of these things right. And I know that I have, you know, if I have to sell 10 of them, I have to give this guy 13 of them, I have to price it in, my cost is going to go up 20%, right? Like you need, as a business owner, you need to do that modeling in advance so good and i want to make sure that our listeners are catching that so again if you're listening or watching whatever the case may be um make sure you're listening to it that's so good i i didn't think we were going in that direction with empowering so we empower them by building the mistakes into our system or pay structure or or whatever you know the bottom line basically i never thought about it that way and i think that is so good so what is the way that you are hiring somebody new or trying to empower your employees and especially when we power them to kind of really go for it, their mistakes are going to be made. And how do we build that into our system ahead of time? So we're not upset about them. Now we don't have to get rid of them because they meet our core values. At least we're hoping that they meet our core values at this point. So they're the right person uh, in the position, but there's going to be mistakes naturally made in the beginning when we're kind of going for it here. So I want to make sure our listeners are, are catching that. Um, my next question I have uh, written down here is, what is the quickest way to improve team health? And I, we all know a lot of toxic cultures out there, whether we, some of us don't know we have them, but how do we improve our team health? You improve your team health by being open, honest, and providing people, well, two things. One, understanding Pat Lencioni's pyramid, the five dysfunctions, right? The base of the pyramid is all about vulnerability-based trust. If you don't exhibit vulnerability-based trust to your team, 
they will not trust you. They will not trust each other because they believe you do not trust them. Mm -hmm. And that is not saying I trust you, but showing them I trust you. Mm -hmm. Right? Which then ladders up into conflict, having proper, open, honest conflict for, you know, everybody fighting tooth and nail for the greater good of the company. From conflict comes commitment. Because if you and I have had an argument or a disagreement about the business, and I know you're pulling to win and I'm pulling to win, and we agree on something, that's when we can commit, right? Above yep. that is accountability. If we both commit, then we can hold each other accountable. And once you have that accountability, you have results. So that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is under, understanding psychological safety, right? You as a business leader have to provide psychological safety to your people. One is just inclusion safety. It's a basic human need to not be like put on a raft and pushed off into the water. Second is learner safety where you start to get into this social exchange, right? So I'm exchanging you knowledge for your desire to an ability to learn. So you can ask me questions all the time, no stupid questions, but I want you to learn if I give you the answer, mm -hmm. right? Next is contributor safety. I want you to feel safe to contribute. And I'm gonna leave you alone if you contribute, right? Yep. The exchange is autonomy in exchange for results. And then the ultimate, the fourth level of psychological safety is challenger safety. That's air cover for candor, buddy. Like you can go at me as hard as you want. If it's for the greater good of the company, nobody ever got fired for saying, hey man, you're standing on the train tracks and there's a train coming. Mm -hmm. So if you like in your mind, you're like, okay, I need my team to trust me. I need to give them challenger safety. That is what's gonna ladder up to results. How do I get there? And it's through a whole bunch of team building exercises. Mm -hmm. Go take DISC assessments. Go take working genius assessments. Start to learn. Ask questions about the people. Ask questions about their families, their backgrounds. Get to know each other mm -hmm. because those are the people you can trust. Like you, your mastermind, yeah. all your guys know each other really intimately, which is why they have absolute trust for each other. It's so true. And for... You know, I'm 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 so funny you're saying all this, and I'm picturing a couple of people that I know in my hat. They're like, I'm not there to be their friend. I'm there to do the business and go home, right? And I, I'm not sure if you've ever run into those people before, but what do you say to those people? Do you say some like, well, you can't have health and you can't have that at the same time? Like, what, what do you say? No, no, them? you can. You okay. can. You can be their boss and not their buddy, mm -hmm. but you you can still trust them and respect them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm not expecting everybody to be like, hey, like come to the barbecue, blah, blah, blah. But I expect a professional work-based team building exercise. I expect absolute trust and respect in the room. Don't yell at your people. Don't second guess your people, right? Don't I told you so your people. Like those are all toxic behaviors. I'm not saying you have to be their buddy, but you, you should know that they, you know, that they have a spouse and that they, they're super into knitting and they have a cat. And like, if you don't know that stuff, if you're just a robot, then that's not good. Yeah, Your I totally agree. Never go above and beyond. It's not, it's not relatable. And it basically is giving people non-permission to, to do what we just talked about right now. Um, yeah. So what numbers 
And I'm a numbers guy. The numbers have to make sense to me, right? I'm an Excel spreadsheet nerd. Like I, lo- I have to see it. And then once I see it, I can go after it. So what numbers, so I love this question that we have written down here is what numbers should entrepreneurs be looking at in their business? They should be looking at leading indicators of performance that are activity-based, right? Every every good entrepreneur looks at their cash flow statement, and their balance sheet and all that stuff. And they look at it, you know, monthly, quarterly, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm here to tell you it's too late. What do you mean it's too late? If you're if you're looking at your cash flow statement and it's bad, that means things were happening this quarter that you should have known about. Mm-hmm. So what I'm talking about is sort of that canary in the coal mine, right? If you look at a, a let's let's take any company that gets leads, takes orders, builds stuff, charges money for it. That's most companies, right? Yep. So I'm looking at what are my weekly leads. What are my weekly marketing qualified leads? What are my weekly marketing qualified leads converted to sales qualified leads? What are my, what are my weekly sales calls? What are my weekly proposals? What are my weekly orders? Right? So some people would say, well, orders are a trailing indicator. They are. They're a trailing indicator of marketing success and sales success, but they're a leading indicator for manufacturing. Because if they see a tsunami of orders, they're like, "Uh oh, there's a problem. It's also a leading indicator for finance. Mm-hmm. So like, we're going to need a whole bunch of money for raw materials, which is going to negatively impact cash flow. <laughs> then you look at manufacturing, you know, lots of orders. How many errors? How much overtime? Right. How many overtime hours are we billing or how, much, how many overtime dollars are we paying out every week? Like, is it time to hire more staff? Is this just a blip or is this an actual increase in sales? What's going on, right? And you yeah. keep on going and then you look at your your money, right? You look at accounts receivable, you look at your accounts receivable that's late. So who usually do you think would, if you had to delegate this to somebody, who would you delegate this? Is there like a name you would call it or is there a specific staff member? Is it their accounting department like who who would do this oh no here's the beauty of it everybody owns their number oh their own number okay and you're saying so like whether they're a salesperson if you're my marketing guy i go david what's your number and you're like mqls Mm -hmm. marketing qualified leads i don't care about the top of my funnel my product into this company are marketing qualified leads excellent So do you suggest them hitting or aiming maybe for a specific number with their, okay, go ahead. You you set a goal, right? If I need $52 million in sales, that means I need a million dollars in sales a week. If every one of my deals is $250,000, that means I need four deals a week. If my close ratio is 25%, that that means I need eight sales qualified leads a week. If my MQL to SQL conversion ratio is 50%, that means I need 16 marketing qualified leads Mm -hmm. a week. If my lead to MQL ratio is 50%, that means I need 32 leads coming in a week. If I get 31 leads in a week, we need to have a conversation about what's going on and how we're going to fix that problem. That's so good. And how often do you suggest the CEO or whoever's in, you know, I wouldn't say, because obviously there's someone at the end, someone has to oversee all the numbers. Who do you suggest that being? Obviously there's like C-suites, but if it's just like a person with like six owners, do you think suggest the uh, 
the owner just taking looking at those quarterly, weekly, monthly, or just having a weekly meeting? Or do you have like level 10 meetings? We kind of call them sometimes. What are your thoughts? We that's exactly what we call them. We call them level 10 meetings. And I'm talking about five to 15 leading indicators of performance that are reviewed by the leadership team. So all of that stuff that I talked about, like marketing, sales, blah, 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 boil it down. The marketing department level 10 is going to talk about leads from Facebook, leads from LinkedIn, leads from Instagram, leads from TikTok, all the different modalities, all of that sort of stuff. Bubbling up to leadership team, MQLs, that's the number. And what that's are MQLs be, for those that don't know what those are? That's a marketing qualified lead. Okay, so I make sure we're here. And level 10, I know what level 10 is. I only, I, I learned because I learned actually this past week about it. So if you don't know what it is, you're not dumb. You just didn't learn about it yet. So what are level 10 meetings in a nutshell? So the level 10 meeting is the sort of the keystone of the traction component of EOS. That is a meeting that starts on time, ends on time, same time of day, same day of the week. It is a 90 minute long meeting with your leadership team. The first 25 minutes of that meeting is all about reporting. Numbers, on track, off track, rocks, 90 day priorities, on track, off track, customer employee headlines, you know, the whole stack. On track, off track, to do's done, not done. How are we doing? Mm -hmm. Once we know how we're doing, then we're able to identify, discuss, and solve issues. So these numbers we're talking about, it is a five minute review of these 15 numbers with a declaration of if they're on track, meaning they hit the goal this week, or off track, meaning they didn't. If they didn't, we drop it down to the identify, discuss, and solve portion of the meeting. And then we prioritize all the stuff that isn't right with the company that week. And anything that bubbles up, we start talking about it as a leadership team. Mm -hmm. That's good, man. You did that really well because that was like an hour conversation on the way home. I'm like, tell me more about this. And uh, so... <laughs> Um, awesome, man. So we're, we're out of time, Stas. You know, we're already there, wow. man. So it, it goes quick, right? It sure um, does. So for those that just, you know, are like me, you're like, wow, this guy, like I'm learning a lot. I'm absorbing a lot. It's giving me a lot to think about. And we have a lot to think about. It changes your behavior moving into, you know, implementing. So let me, uh, let us know what is the best way for someone to contact you? Maybe they have questions. Maybe they want to bring you in for their team. Like, like you did for us. Um, what's the best way to contact you? Um, so EOS Worldwide, look for, you know, implementer search Stas Balanevsky or just search for Stas, search for Stas EOS okay. and you'll, you'll find my number. I mean, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. So very cool. We'll put the link in our, in our, um, on the bio here for the podcast here. So Stas, man, I know you're a busy guy. I mean, I had to book you like three months in advance. So, or something of that nature. So I really appreciate your time that you gave us here, man. I know you learned a ton. At least I did. And I know our listeners did as well, man. David, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, let me know if I can ever help you with anything. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to WNYEntrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.